This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. Have you ever experienced what some might describe as a midlife crisis, or you know someone who has? My guest says he's been there. He is a self-described recovering marketer and is now on a mission to help people in their middle years maximize their impact on the world and take their malaise to mastery. Adrian Porter, welcome to my show, Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. Liz, hello to you. I am living my best life this morning right now because I am chatting with the one and only L.I.Z. Bruner. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I love it. You say you have been there having that midlife crisis or malaise. You'd been an executive with such major companies as HBO, Cartoon Network City, and CMO of a global media and tech nonprofit, which from the outside world looking at your life may be hard to comprehend. So what was going on that you were in such a funk? What was going on was actually an involuntary experience. I actually first got laid off. Ah, (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) The year that I turned 40, I got laid off from a great job for Cartoon Network, which was under Turner Broadcasting. I was a head of a marketing director there. And it was a great job, but got laid off. I had just moved to Atlanta with my wife and at the time my two-year-old son from New York. Things just start happening. Number one, getting older, started really thinking about what I wanted to achieve, You know, had all the pressures of making sure that I was a great husband, great father, make sure the money was coming in. And also with the dynamics of you know, in those middle years and having kids and having elderly parents and questioning whether or not this is what I want to do, just experiencing life as we know it in the traffic jam of life, which tend to be typically those middle years, nice. i.e., you know, you're 40 to 65 or what have you. Yeah. So you took this step back, and that's hard for a lot of people to do, let alone give themselves permission to do so. How did you do that? How did you emotionally, intellectually take that step back? Well, number one, it was through the help of my community and people around me. For example, when I got laid off and I was trying to figure out what's my next move, I was wondering, will I be able to repeat that level of success at another company? But one of my good friends told me, well, Adrian, have you ever thought about consulting or doing something on your own and taking those experiences that you've cultivated and use them you know, the way you want to? And so that sparked the drive to start to, to pursue that. And I've always Liz, had um, ambitions, even younger, to wanting to do my own thing, but never knew you know, at that time you know, what product or service I would sell or what I would do. The layoff allowed me to take a step back, to do a self-inventory, to figure out, okay, what are my skills? And and plus, what are the things I'm passionate about? And that's what I did. I took some time, um, still did some consulting, as my friend recommended that I do, um, in marketing, brand marketing. And then I started to notice more of the malaise setting in. And as I went into my mid-40s and figuring out, okay, how do I continue to accelerate that growth? I started thinking about the things that I love doing, which was, you know, listening to podcasts, reading <laughs> books, <laughs> getting personal growth, um, I guess, mentorship. But I noticed that there weren't a lot of platforms speaking to my particular pain points, being in that kind of that Gen Xer, middle age. There were a lot of content speaking to the younger generations, which rightfully so, because personal growth is, is very imperative for all ages. And there was a lot of content speaking to kind of the very older cohorts, you know, whether it's looking at retirement, uh, thriving in your later years, 
but nothing was speaking directly to me. Mm-hmm. Being a fan of the podcast medium, um, I said, you know, I love to talk. I love to speak. I love consuming podcasts. Let me start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like Gandhi would say, be the change you wish to seek. And I created a podcast called Gen X Amplified, which spoke to a lot of the generational nerdy things that I like to think about and read about, particularly my generation. And that really was the building blocks to what I'm doing now. Right. What you did there, which is something I know you and I practice, which is connecting the dots. Mm. all of our experiences and using them to create that next chapter. You do classify yourself as a Gen Xer and believe that other demographics may also experience that kind of malaise. This particular group of people, now we're talking people who were born 1965 to around 79 or 80, currently 41 to 56. And they're struggling with what you were talking about. There's a lot of dynamics going on in someone's life at that age right now, 41 to 56. You've got parents maybe you have to take care of. You have your own young children. You're trying to figure out your career. Those are all challenging things, really challenging things to deal with. Yes. Is that why there's that struggle in your opinion? Is that where the malaise comes in? Yes, it is, Liz. And it's, you know, what's interesting as, you know, I went through it myself and obviously talking to people in my peer groups, other Gen Xers or people that in that middle period, they were feeling that similar phenomenon. Being the, the nerd that I am and the research geek, I started to wanted to know why is that the case? You no, know, why do we feel that way? What's interesting, there is a proven documented truth of this feeling of malaise in your middle years. And people have called it the U-curve of happiness. When you are at 18 or so and you self-report your level of happiness, you tend to be at a higher level, right? You start your adulthood. But then as you move into your 20s and then your 30s and you start to experience the, the leveling off of your initial goals to reality, your level of happiness tends to plummet and go down and down and down. It's lowest point, average age around 47.2. Wow. Throughout your 40s and your 50s, you're at the bottom of this curve. But then it sweeps back up, this happiness curve, later in your late 50s, 60s, 70s, and it goes back up. So it follows this natural U-shape. And what the data points have proven, and what I've even done through my own just kind of natural research, is that what's happening is when you reach that middle period, a lot of times those goals don't manifest itself. You start to feel in this funk where you feel like there's a gap. Or you just feel the natural weight of the traffic jam of life, parenting being promoted, understanding what you want to do, finding your purpose, then your parents tend to age. And you know, if God willing, they're still around or they may be experiencing challenges. So you're responsible for that. That's why that dip happened. Right. And it's a natural feeling. A lot of times people call it the crisis. You know, I look at it more as like a malaise. That's actually what happened, Liz. And it's, 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 it's a natural phenomenon. It's also the sandwich generation. And, and it's called that yes. because you're kind of sandwiched in between, you know, the young child or children that you have, and then the older parents that you have, you're kind of right in the middle of that sandwich. And sometimes there's a negative connotation to that. Why do you think that is? What's that all about? I think because it's just a lot of challenges. Those younger generations and the people that you're taking care of, you know, they're the light of the world. You know, they have all the focus on them. They, they require a lot of uh, demand. And so you're stuck in this middle where you're often forgotten, underappreciated, and so I think that's why a lot of times that negative connotation happens. And even, um, Liz, if you even want to talk broadly in a generational theory perspective, um, I've had conversations because I have a podcast, Gen Exemplified, where I've had conversations with people and they're like, 
hey, why do we even have to classify people in these generational Mm -hmm. cohorts? It's a valid question, I guess, right? Very, very (laughs) valid question. And I think for me, because I'm used to looking at things through a generational lens, but I do say whenever I have these conversations, I always say the years where you came of age does, I strongly feel, shape how you look at the world. If you came of age in the 80s or early on, let's say through the Cold War crisis or later on through you know, the coming of AIDS and the crack epidemic or the 9-11, like those world views and those world experiences shape your perspectives. Again, with respect to media, even I would say posts really during the Obama election 2008, when the term millennial really became avant-garde and very focused because of the nature of the campaigns and how many people were voting and for the first time getting themselves in the political sphere, the word millennial and the focus on millennials became so heightened. Then the baby boomers have always been part of the nomenclature of of culture. But Gen X... Gen X just seems to be forgotten. I mean, look at the name, for God's sake. I mean, we're X, so there's not even... <laughs> X you out. <laughs> X you out. And X typically means the unknown, like an unknown variable. And I, I remember giving a speech years ago at church, and I even talk about it to this day, where you know my passion is to change that negative connotation of, of X and unknown to something positive, exceptional, exuberant, extravagant, extraordinary. Because right now, the generation that is in that middle age primarily are Gen Xers. And this is a true, true story. It, it, it became viral on Twitter. There was a, a feature on a news channel. And I'm going to say the news channel. It was a national news organization, cable news organization, where they talked about an article written about millennials in the, in the future of work. And they were interviewing a columnist who was a millennial. They list all the years of generations on the screen to add context to the conversation. So at the top, they had the silent generation, right? And they mentioned the years of birth. Then right under the silent generation, they had the baby boomers. And then they had the millennials. Then they had the Gen Z. What was noticeably absent were Gen X. Gen X. <laughs> I mean, I'm not making this up. This was literally on a screen on your television. We were totally omitted from the graphic. And so true enough, in Gen X form, it became viral. And we're like, here we go again. Just the negative sense, I think it even starts with not only the naming of the generation, but also when you're in the middle of too big anything, whether you're the middle child or the middle this, unfortunately, you're kind of placed in that forgotten location. Well, you're doing everything you can not to let people forget about this generation, (laughs) and you're on a mission to help them, not just Gen Xers, but to help people find direction. Yes. And you're the founder of Mid-Career Mastery, and you have created these workshops that have three pillars to help people get unstuck. What are the three pillars? So three pillars are mindset, meaning, and milestones. The first pillar is mindset, and that's all about reframing your mindset about where you are, who you are in this phase of life. Because a lot of times when you are trying to go from malaise to mastery, when you're trying to get unstressed and unstuck as a middle-aged professional or person, what have you, you tend to undervalue being in your 40s and your 50s. And so the first step before you do anything, which is very foundational, is reframing your mindset. What does it mean to be 40 plus? What does it mean to be in this powerful position of influence where you have the experience, you have the wisdom, you have the insight, but you also have the runway to thrive in many years, especially as we're now aging older and we're living longer. So reframe your mindset. The second pillar is all about finding your meaning, your purpose, your why at this phase. Everything that you do in this season in your life will accelerate if you truly understand, okay, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, hell, I'm in my 60s. What is my meaning? What is it that's going to be purposeful for me? What are those existential activities that's going to help me thrive? 
The last pillar is milestone. This is where the rubber meets the road. You reframe your mindset. You establish your meaning. Now, what are those actionable markers of success, those goals that I can define right now, big or small, that will keep me motivated to thrive? And again, micro or macro. For example, if you're 45, if you're 55, if you're 60, you've always wanted to learn how to play the piano. Do it. If you wanted to get a new position and, and learn a new skill, a transferable skill, do it. Do we have tools to help you do that? Right. It's creating those actionable checkpoints because, interestingly enough, when you're in your younger years, you have all of these external milestones that have been placed upon you or even internal. For example, you turn 18, you graduate from college, maybe, you start your first job, you meet your first uh, spouse, like milestones. Then your later years, you retire, you have grandkids, you run a marathon at, at 70. But somehow in the middle, we tend to have this long run on sentence where there aren't any periods. There, really, it's like the milestones, if we have any, they're usually through our children or through other milestones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what I want to do is to help transform that malaise to mastery, especially in those years, is to remind you, hey, you should establish milestones in your middle years. Absolutely. It reinforces that there's value being in your 40s and 50s, that you still have goals that you can achieve. Within each pillar, Liz, I have like multiple actionable items. Like when I do workshops, it just I don't just name the three pillars, but I tell you how to optimize each pillar. So for example, right. milestones, I tell people, okay, great. Establish micro and macro milestones. You also should establish a reward system. So when you set those goals, when you establish those milestones, if you achieve them, no matter big or small, what are the rewards? Maybe it's take yourself out to a nice lunch that day. Treat someone to a Starbucks. Whatever it is, if you achieve a milestone, create some sort of markers for success and reward system and celebrate. Then that helps you thrive and get out of that funk and out of that misery and get closer to mastery. When you were a child growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a multiple things. I either an actor, a performer on stage. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I have a lot of musicians in my family too, a lot of singers and a lot of I have some professors. Uh, so I was around a lot of music. My great uncle, David Porter, actually used to write a lot of great hits on Stax Music with Isaac Hayes, like Soul Man and By Sam and Dave. And my grandfather is a professor of music. So music was around my family a lot. So I was really into music, but I like performing. I like speaking. So it was multiple things. You wrote a blog post recently about someone you knew who went on a job interview and was asked a very clever question. <laughs> speaking of music, if there was a certain song that always played when you enter a room, what would it be? So Adrian, <laughs> what would that song be for you? Wow, it's a great question. And being the music aficionado, sometimes I can have multiple answers, but I would say uh, right now it is probably either Optimistic by Sounds of Blackness or um, I've Got the Power by Snap, which is a Gen X classic. (laughs) Because I got the power, I usually put that on to energize me to let me know that I do have the power to thrive and I have the power to succeed and, and, and create impact. So I would say that's my theme song right now. But you, if you ask me two weeks from now, I may have another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have about three or four that I would probably add to my list too. Yes. Besides being a brand builder, a podcast host, a speaker, and founder of Mid-Career Mastery, you are also an age inclusion advocate yes. and a Gen X super fan by your own admission. <laughs> what does living your best life mean to you? And what advice do you want to share with Gen Xers as well as anyone listening to live their best life? For me, it's all about adding value. My best life, and this is part of my, I think my overall micro purpose, my why is to help others 
turn up the volume on their best selves. That inspires me. When I can bring forth value and impact by helping others amplify the best of who they are, that's me living my best life. Because what that lets me know is that someday when I'm not here anymore, and the impact that I will leave on this world to my kids, to my spouse, to my friends, to the people in my community, if I can help them be their best selves, then I felt that I lived my best life. And my advice for others in Gen Xers and anyone, but particularly for those in that middle, is to understand that you are in a very powerful position of, of impact, of influence, that you now have the tools, you have the experience, you have the expertise, you have the acumen, you have the relationships you've nurtured along the way through this journey that you can live your best life. It's all about first, you know, reframing that mindset, have a growth mindset, read Carol DeWick's book, Mindset, which I always reference. <laughs> But really, reframe, rethink, reset, re-energize, recalculate. What does it mean to be a Gen Xer? And then, again, also establish, you know, what is it that's meaningful to you? Get yourself around people and energize yourself with your community to help you understand what's meaningful and then establish those milestones. So that's my advice. It's to follow that malaise to mastery map, but just simply just reframe where you are, find your meaning, and just always be in pursuit of achieving and celebrating goals. What's next for Adrian Porter? What's next for me is to continue to build out mid-career mastery. Really, not necessarily even a company, but I look at this more as a movement. There's a movement to help people who are feeling stressed get unstressed and unstuck. And a lot of times you are in those middle years. That's what's next for me is to continue to grow the movement, continue to you know create content to influence others, to have this movement of people getting unstressed and unstuck and transitioning and transforming that feeling of malaise to mastery and flattening that U-curve of happiness where it's no longer a curve, but it's a upward slope, a swoop, I should say, to greatness. That's what's next for me. If you'd like to learn more about Adrian and the great work he is doing, his website is adrianporter.com. That's A-D-R-I-O-N-P-O-R-T-E-R.com, adrianporter.com. Thank you, Adrian, for being with me today and for helping people learn how to thrive at work and in life. And I'm going to say in any generation besides the Gen Xers. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely any generation, yes. And I invite all of you to subscribe to this podcast. Send me your comments and share your favorite episodes. May Adrian's story inspire you to never stop learning and growing, to keep believing that you can live your best life. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.